What's up, guys? Welcome to the newest installment of My Take Radio's Beyond the Mic series. This week, I'm going to be talking to Michael Kingston, creator of the Headlocked comic. We're going to talk about the creation of the comic book and some of the stuff from professional wrestling that has inspired this book. Uh, you can check that out on headlockedcomic.com. Welcome to the show, Mike. How's it going? Good, good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, tell us, uh, tell the the audience a little bit about Headlocked, and you know, and a little bit about yourself as well. Uh, well, I'm not very exciting. I uh, I'm a 20 plus year wrestling fan, uh, maybe more than that. Now I'm getting getting close to the in the high 20s. It's uh, I don't like to admit that, but <laughs> getting older. Um, but uh, this is my first book uh, that I've uh, chosen to write. You know, they tell you to, to write what you know, and I've been a wrestling fan for so long and sort of an intense wrestling fan and studied a lot and talked to a lot of different people and met a lot of different wrestlers. So I felt like I had a certain, I guess, a certain level of understanding of it that, uh, you know, I, I could make this my first book. I felt like I had a certain marketability. Um, so that's uh, so that's why I, I sort of chose to start with Headlocked and uh it's really, uh, I'm, I'm hoping at some point to uh, to write more stuff. I've had some other things. I've written some other things, but for a variety of reasons and misfortunes, they have not, uh, they have not made it to the light of day. Oh, okay. Well, here's, in looking at, at the book and, and the description of the book, I liked it because it's not often you see an inside look at, at pro wrestling, especially, especially from a comic book. I know WWE put out a comic book a while back and they kind of exaggerated their characters, but you took it in a completely different direction by going into, you know, a young guy on the come up looking to become a professional wrestler and the trials and tribulations that he experienced. Did you, was that your initial concept or, or were you kind of playing around with it and doing it more so from just the the wrestling personalities or did you feel that the real world was the best approach you know that's always been the uh the take for the story uh what happened for me is i guess if you've been a wrestling fan for any length of time you pretty much have to defend your your fandom to people absolutely and i always hope that uh, at some point you know headlock would sort of be be my defense for wrestling um you know to that end i guess i've had a fair amount of people you know, I talk them into buying it at shows or whatever. They write to me and they're like, oh, this is really good. You know, I never really looked at wrestling that way. But that's why I made my character sort of an ex-theater major. So you can sort of examine the sort of the craft of wrestling through the eyes of a performance artist. And, uh, you know, just see that it's, it's, it's an art form just like, uh, you know, any other art form. But it doesn't necessarily get that same respect. How did you... I how did you feel going into it and uh, approaching just some of the characters you created and and were you pulling information from just you being a wrestling fan to build some of these characters like you know like uh like Brian Boulder cuz you know you I, I looked at some of the characters and I'm like wow there I see inspiration from so many other wrestlers that in creating the personas you had for the book were you just pulling certain key elements out of just you as a fan and certain wrestlers you liked growing up well i wanted to i wanted to do something uh that had sort of an 80s vibe to it because i feel like i mean as, as popular as the attitude era was i think the 80s is when you know most people sort of understand you know more people understand wrestling through the 80s than anything else i mean you can talk i mean it's been you know 
30 years and you could talk to somebody and they're more likely to know Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, you know, Randy Savage, Ric Flair than they are anybody else. I mean, you know, to a point, Steve Austin and The Rock have somewhat transcended that. But uh, I just I felt like that was the sort of connection that most people had. And I wanted to make the book accessible for everyone. So I tried to start it with a, to, you know, to sort of give it a sort of a familiar perspective for people so they could pick it up not knowing anything about wrestling um, and then building from there. Yeah, I what when you were when you mentioned that about eighties wrestling for me, I think that was the pinnacle only because during during that era of the eighties there was always something related to wrestling. You know, you had the the Hulk Hogan cartoon in the mornings. Um, I remember seeing No Holds Barred in the theater with with my brother. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. You know, No No Holds Barred, uh, Body Slam. Uh, Captain Lou Albano on on the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. The list goes on. There were so many more '80s icons on the screen back then that it it, it was just a no brainer for them to become household names. Right. No, I definitely agree with that. And I just, I mean, if you watch old old clips of like superstars from the '80s, I mean, simple like squash matches. I mean, the people are just going nuts. I mean, the crowd heat to see it from then to now is just is just amazing. I mean. You can watch a, a Virgil squash match, and you know people are on their feet, and <laughs> you just don't get that now. Yeah, the, the 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 simplicity of the squash match is gone to get over characters, and I think that a lot of times they're just thrust into the spotlight, and it's it's pretty much a trial by fire. So I think you know you going with this approach, it helps establish its own you know its own universe, its own. Uh, small world in itself because as as a professional wrestling fan you know that you divide your fan base based on who you liked when you were growing up who you like now what organizations you like then versus what organizations you like now yeah yeah um and i've got some other you know as he sort of progresses there'll be other elements you know i'm trying to touch on every different element of wrestling um i just put out a book uh in San Diego, it's sort of a preview book of where we're going with the series. And, uh, you know, there's a, I know there's a, there's a picture of all the, the, the wrestlers that we've had, you know, that's fairly popular that we have around of all the, the, the sort of WFW wrestlers. But, uh, this is more of like an, an ECW style hardcore fed. So there's like a different, you know, so it's got a different style, but it's done by the same artist that did the other one. So it's, uh, so it has a little continuity, but it just looks different and it looks grittier and the guys are, different so i i am trying to hit all different aspects of wrestling you know because it's they're all different sort of forms of the same art so you'll, you'll see everything but i thought that the 80s was a good sort of jumping on point for more people well in in looking at some of the characters they have that that 80s vibe to them and i and i noticed you had a little fun with them you know like like bingo the clown i instantly thought of doink the clown right. and um black death automatically was the undertaker automatically so I, I definitely see the inspiration there. When it came time for you to design these characters, how did you come up with the ideas to make them look the way they currently look? Was it just a, a process of you sitting home one afternoon and, and trying to put stuff together? Or were you working with an artist and saying, well, I think you should look like this, and then that's how the characters came to be? It's uh, it's a little bit of a collaborative thing. Um, and as a couple of different artists, actually, when I was... You know, when I was designing these characters, I was sort of still 
I didn't have a, a set artist. This was before Randy was uh, Randy Valiente was on the book. Um, I had a couple of different guys starting out. So some of the ideas were were mine. Um, some of the you know in terms of the visual look, and some of the ideas came from the artist. You know, like I would say, try this, and they'd be like, what about this? And like, oh, that looks great. You know, and I mean, I think that's when comics as a as a medium works at its best when they're sort of a you know when everybody has input. Yeah, I think I think uh, I did notice the progression in some of the characters because when you get down the roster and you look at at guys like um, like like Leo London, Davari, um, that their art style was a little different. Was that just because the artist had changed at the time, or was that just where you wanted to take the direction of the book overall? Uh, no, no. I mean, Davari's in a different place too, though. I mean, he's back on the Indies, so he's not. You know what I mean? Like. There's sort of a different style for the the WWW guys versus the the indie guys. You know, we try to be sort of conscious of that, so it feels very different. I mean, if you've been to an indie show, it feels very different from a a WWE show. Absolutely, more there's more intimacy in the in the venue. You get to connect better with the wrestlers. So I- right, and to a point, even the guys just I mean, they feel I don't want to say they feel smaller, but they feel a little smaller. You know, they don't have the the sort of mythic proportions without the the lights and the pyro and sometimes it's just a matter of being closer to the guys you know like you might meet a guy like Shawn michaels and you're like you know oh he's really he's my size you know whereas on tv he just seems like such a bigger person yeah that happened once when i met um brock lesnar i'm like oh he's kind of huge on tv but he's really not that huge in real life i guess at the time you know you, you look and the, the the comparison is totally different so i can relate on that i think you always expect him to be taller Yes, except Randy Orton. Randy Orton was ginormous. And yeah, no, he's taller than, I think, because he's wiry. I think he's taller than you'd think. Yeah, he's big-ass hands, too. <laughs> <laughs> I shook his hand. I was like, I'm like, where the hell did my hand go? <laughs> but um, I, I've noticed, you know, and, and we were talking about this before before we started recording, that you had worked with um, Jerry Lawler, and he ended up painting the cover for the book. How did you get Jerry involved and... You know, how does he feel about his his craft being represented as a comic, especially him being an artist as well? Um, honestly, it's it was it was a total shot in the dark. Um, I emailed him through his website, and it was such a like such a lark. Like I forgot I did it after I did it, and then a few days later he emailed me back, and uh, he said he would you know he'd be interested in seeing some books. So I uh, I mailed him some comics. And uh, then he called me up, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll do it." And it was uh, it was amazing. Um, I don't know, you know, everybody has their opinions of public figures and stuff, but uh, I mean, he's been so super nice to me and helpful, and he's done so many things, like so so much for me. So he's a really good guy, and he's you know he likes he likes what we're doing. I've noticed also, and you put a lot of uh, a lot of photos out with a lot of the the wrestling community holding the book, reading the book, checking the book out. How has their input and feedback been from the the books you've put out so far? And do you do they sometimes contact you, giving you ideas or saying, "Hey, I'd like to be a character in your book"? Or uh, I've had some people, um, you know, so far. I mean, in terms of response, it's been I think unanimous. I mean, no one's. Said, had anything but really great things to say 
which is nice because I mean that was one of my big concerns starting out. You know, when you when you meet people, you sort of wonder like how they're going to take it. You know, am I just um, you know exposing the business? And I, I understand that it's expo- you know already been exposed, but sometimes people get touchy about that kind of stuff. And everybody's just been uh, been super nice about it and very helpful. And you know, a couple of people yeah, definitely have expressed an interest at in, in being in it. Um, that's Originally, you know, when I, I met Davari, he was he was very excited about it because he's a big comic book fan and he wanted to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, I wanted to – we uh, worked out a way that that, that could happen, and uh, I think it came out pretty good. And there's more for that character down the road. Nice. I I actually – when, when you know, of course, researching our interview, I'm, I'm looking through it, and the, the style of the book I liked because it reminded me a lot. I used to read a lot of Lady Death and Evil Ernie. Mm. comics and the art style was was very similar to that which i liked you know i like the deep lines used in in the way the characters were drawn so the the artists that you have using that style for um for the tryout for the first two issues of the tryout at well the, the all, all three issues whoever was doing that had an awesome had such awesome work behind them his uh his name's randy valiente he's from the philippines and uh he does he does really really good work and uh I got to meet him. He's uh, he came to San Diego. It was his first time in the United States. He was in San Diego this year, and uh, it was very cool to to watch him work. And uh, he brought me some original art, which was excellent. I was very excited about that. Um, and yeah, no, he does he does really good work. So uh, he's he's definitely I know he's he's done a, he just did a book for Zenoscope. So he's uh, he's on his way. He's got some skills. How do you select um, the the different artists? Do you just network at at conventions, or do you are you just searching for that one artist that'll become your you know the your Robin to your Batman? You know, um, I, it's definitely tricky. Um, you know, obviously artists don't work for free, so you do have to sort of balance. You know, what I mean, otherwise I'd be like, hey, let's get uh, you know, <laughs> let's get like Ed McGinnis on the book or whatever, but. <laughs> Obviously, you have to you have to sort of balance with what you know what they can afford, you know, and what you can afford to pay them. And in terms of you know, you find people at shows like you know, I'm an up and coming guy, they're up and coming. You know, you 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 try to find some common ground and something that you can collaborate on. Obviously, it helps to you know for a book like this that the person's a wrestling fan um, and they're excited about doing it because uh, and I mean it has to be it has to look authentic. I mean if it's you know what I mean? If you say it's an atomic drop and the guy's doing a, you know, a press slam, I mean, people are going to call you on that. I mean, so it's got to, it's got to be, it's got to be authentic. And, uh, so that helps. And I, and there's just, there's different online sites that you can meet people. I meet people at shows, you know, I met a couple of people at San Diego that are interested in doing some work. So some short stories and stuff. So we definitely, it's definitely a process. We do have a new artist going forward for the next set of books. Uh, his name's J.C. Grand, and uh, there's a story that we just put together in our book in San Diego. Uh, there's an eight-page story that he actually did like three, four years ago because he was originally going to be part of the series, and then he got some work through Image and wasn't able to uh, wasn't able to do it. But now he's uh, he's got some time, so he's going to be back on the book, and uh, he's done some really cool stuff for us. What made you want to 
choose the the comic book medium as opposed to you know just a a, a regular book or an ebook or self publishing that route what 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 drew you to the to to using the comic as your medium to to deliver the stories well i think that that wrestling as a, as art forms i think wrestling and comic books have an incredible amount of similarity and i know people automatically think you know the costumes and whatever but i think from an art form standpoint they're both sort of dominated by a single aesthetic and i think they're both terribly underutilized i mean when when people think of comic book comic books they think of superheroes you know if you're like hey did you you know what comic book movies have you seen people won't say you know history of violence or road to perdition even though those were both comic books mm-hmm. enter and superman whatever and i think wrestling when people think of wrestling they think of you know wwe and that style but there's more, there's different types of stories that you can tell in comic books. I mean, obviously, you can tell a dramatic story, which is what I'm doing, or you can tell, you can do comedy, you can do horror, you can do anything in comics. And I think there's other stories that you can tell in wrestling using that medium. I mean, obviously, there's lucha, and you know, uh, you know, they work a different style in Japan, they work a different style in Britain. I mean, I think just trying to to, to make people aware of that. But I think that that's what makes the story suited for the medium. Yeah, I noticed that you had also started offering the books in a in a digital format, so the, it, it clearly shows you doing you're doing your homework because obviously comic books are evolving to a point where I I still love going to the mom and pop shop and picking up my books, but when you have seven or eight coffin boxes in your house and they start taking up space, you know, a tablet starts looking real attractive. That's pretty much how I read all my books now. Hey, you're talking to a guy with 23 long boxes stacked up behind him. So there, there you go. I, I, uh, I understand the, the issue. Um, part of it for me is, I mean, I'm an independent, um, and our biggest struggle has been sort of awareness and retail penetration. And we sold out everywhere we were carried, but you know, a lot of people just don't order independence or they might order, you know, one copy, two copies. And if they sell, maybe they don't order more. Um, there's a lot of comics that come out. It's hard to get, you know, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle. So I f- felt like, you know, I had a lot of problems um, with getting the books into stores, with people people writing to me saying, I, oh, I want to get the books, but my store won't carry it. You know, so I was trying to find a way to get them the books. And I think digital, you know, I understand people prefer to have comics in their hands, but by the same token, when you have to pay $3 to ship a $3 book, mm-hmm. and your price is doubled. So this gives somebody an opportunity to check out a book for a dollar. And, you know, if you like it, keep going. You know, you can support the book for a dollar a month. That's, uh, you know, you really can't ask for much more than that because, I mean, it's not like a video that you just record or an interview or whatever. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of work that goes into producing, you know, actual hand-drawn art and uh you know hand colored and the whole nine yards you know what's the what's the turnaround time to get one issue done on average um it depends um i mean it really depends on how if everybody's working on all cylinders you know you know we should be able to put out a book a month so um it just depends right now i mean we're we're we've been talking to a couple of different people about uh, our distribution mechanism, which is why we haven't had anything new come out recently. We put a book out for San Diego. I mean, I know where we're going and where we're going to 
what we're going to do with the book. It's just a matter of, I know there's some people that are interested, some larger entities, and we're trying to wade through that and uh, see if that's the right way to go for me. Well, one with, with the publishing that you're doing, and you know you ha- you have the book coming out through through Visionary. How did you what What was the process in in trying to find somebody to put the book out for you? Because I've seen guys that you know they'll self publish and they'll go into comic stores and and hand the book out and be like, look, man, you know I'll I'll, I'll give you ten books, et cetera, et cetera. How did you how, how does that process work? Because I I I read a lot of books, but I've never really gotten an insider's look at the science to to bring it to the store. It's extremely difficult because on one hand you have to you have to first sell the book to an editor. So there's that sort of creative aspect. And you know, sometimes it just come you know, it'll come down to a matter of editorial, you know, uh, preference. I've had editors, you know, people who aren't editors anymore and be like, Oh, if I was, you know, if you had come to me when I was doing this, you know, I would have taken this book through you know, I had a guy tell me he would have taken it through uh, through Vertigo. Um, but you know, other people, you know, if they don't get it, they don't get it, you know? So you have that sort of gate that you first have to hurdle and then you have to, and then you have to sell it to retailers, which is an even more complicated prospect because, you know, think about it. If you go to the, if you go to the grocery store, if you had a ketchup and you wanted to sell it, you'd be like, Hey, buy my ketchup. And you're like, well, I have Heinz, you know, Heinz is going to be on 90% of the shelf. And then I've got, you know, Paul Newman's ketchup or whatever. Like, it's tough to get space on the rack as an independent for somebody to try something new. So you have to convince them that it's going to sell. Now, wrestling comics have a a long history of sucking mightily. Yep. (laughs) And so, you know, if you don't understand wrestling, you'll be like, well, look, wrestling comics don't sell. You know, WWE with their machine couldn't, you know, put out a book for longer than nine issues. I mean, the book was horrible, and that's why, but I think it's hard for people, if they don't understand wrestling, to understand that. So to get to get on, to get get into stores is then your second hurdle. Um, and then Diamond, as a distributor, you know, I mean, Marvel and DC, the big chunk of their market share, so they're going to get the lion's share of their attention. We had a lot of uh, shipping errors with the second issue of the tryout. Jeez. That... Uh, you know, and for, you know, when you're trying to get somebody to try something, you, you can't afford missteps like that. But, you know, Diamond's the only game in town. So, you know, you have that sort of, you, you have to go through them if you want to get into comic stores. So that's a battle that you fight. And then the sort of the three month, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but, you know, comics are solicited three months in advance. Wow, I so, never knew it was that far back. Yeah, so the stores order a book three months before it hits the store. So... You know, a lot of times for independents, they ask you to pre-order a book. You know, you can go to a store because, you know, there's probably been a lot of people that have gone to stores and been like, I want to buy 10 copies of this. And then they just never show up to get it, you know, to get their orders up. So a lot of times they ask for money in advance from customers. I mean, I had a guy who's like, I've been shopping at this store for 25 years. This is the first time they ever asked me to pay in advance for a book. So then you're asking somebody to pay three months in advance to get a hold of an independent comic. It's it's quite an uphill battle, I will tell you that. Um, for me, I sell tons of books at shows. Um, I sell tons of books at wrestling shows. I tell I sell tons of books at conventions. Um, so, I mean, I know there's a market there. It's just very difficult for all the reasons I just explained to get the comic book industry to understand that. So, that's, that's uh, 
that's the uphill battle. Wow, man, that's I. You know, I knew there were always delays. I, I, as, as a longtime comic reader, one of the things I used to hate was like, Image was guilty of this, which you know, which was that their books never came out on time. It was a, it was a running gag for years. So. Right. But see. that's also that's the fault of the creators. Right. I mean, that's an issue of they just didn't get their books out on time. But to see you put all this work in and then have to also deal with the mer- with the marketing of it, I, I'm sure it's a tough it's a tough battle just because it's you're not a one man outfit, but you're the face of your of your brand. You're the face of Headlocked. Right. Right. Absolutely. And that's and that's sort of a, a an issue as well. I mean. I'm a one-man operation. I don't have a marketing machine behind me. I don't have, uh, you know, I, I all my promotion I do myself. You know, I manage the whole operation. So that's uh, that's also part of the battle, and it limits you know, how much you're able to do creatively when you have to spend time, you know, just hustling on message boards and stuff, getting people just to look at your stuff. Because I know if people look at it and they see what we're about, they'll totally check it out. I have no, you know... That's been my experience. I think that one of the things that that I liked when I saw it, and and I actually came across your book reading um, San Diego Comic-Con coverage, and I kept seeing all these wrestlers in photos, and I'm like, what are are they holding? (laughs) So I look, and I'm like, oh, shit, that's actually actually a comic based on wrestling. So that's how it actually got me to to go after you to check it, you know, to check it out and learn a little bit more about it, because – I haven't I haven't heard of a wrestling book except for the stuff WWE put out, which we made fun of a lot. <laughs> so, well, there's been a lot. I mean, obviously, The Ultimate Warrior had a comic book. Kevin mm-hmm. Nash had a comic book. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. There's been uh, there was a DC book for a while about a it was a lucha guy who was a spy, and he was also a wrestler. Um, you know, like, and they've just. All the stories haven't been about wrestling. They've been wrestlers fighting demons or, mm-hmm. you know, Kevin Nash's Blade Runner or whatever. And, or Mad Max, I guess, more apt comparison. But there's never really been a book about, you know, a wrestling book about wrestling. So, you know, I feel like in a way we're sort of pioneering it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that's one of the things that, uh, as I did my homework on the book, I, I liked because that's always what you see. You see uh wrestlers fighting demons or you see the the gimmick of the wrestler front and center and it's like what about the people that want to know there there's more backstory to wrestling especially now with the internet and and you know this as well that we spend more time looking at all the stuff that happens behind the scenes than sometimes even watching the actual product right because right, absolutely because it's so deep and there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that you don't realize that these larger than life personas in some cases have the same or even worse problems than you and I have. Right. And that's been very, you know, it's been interesting for me. I just, I've met a lot of wrestlers over the years now, just having done this and going to shows and, you know, there's a different, you know, they treat me a little bit differently, obviously, because I'm with Jerry and I'm not just, you know, some dude. Um, so I think to a certain extent, they sort of, I don't know, I see a side of them that maybe other people don't, but it's been very fascinating just getting to to meet all the different people and sort of hear why, you know, what they think about wrestling, particularly, like, you know, guys that have been doing it forever, you know. Sometimes you you might lose that spark, you know, that made you want to do it when you were younger. And, you know, some guys don't. You know, some guys don't ever lose it. and They're still, 
you know, talking finishes and getting excited and whatever. It's just, it's very cool to, to meet all the different peoples. And that's all the kind of stuff I want to explore in the book, you know, in, in, in meeting so many wrestlers and just seeing that side of wrestling has your, has your view as a fan changed? I mean, uh, I, I've met a few wrestlers now and my respect for their craft is probably tripled in knowing what goes into it and, and seeing these smaller shows and seeing what they got to put their bodies through to get there. Absolutely. And I, I, I think that that's part of the key. I think so much of wrestling has been portrayed as so ridiculous for so long. And then obviously people cling to the fake, you know, the fake idiom and that's not accurate as well. Nope. But like being backstage at shows and just seeing people, you know, I, I was backstage at a Raw, and I, you know, Shawn Michaels was always one of my favorite wrestlers, and I saw him, and he just, you know, he was just uh, walking around like a broken down old man. I mean, he was just, he was limping and hobbling and just beat up. And then, you know, as soon as the lights hit, I mean, he was just, it was like, you know, Bruce Banner into the Hulk. I mean, it's amazing to see, you know, but then you're like, you know, that's maybe 20 minutes a night. He's Superman, and then you know, the other 23 hours and 20 minutes, he's, you know, dealing with all the pain and whatever that, that he's traded for that. Well, how did you approach that in, in, in terms of writing the book? Because it's true. You see these guys, you know, they come out, they're larger than life and then they go backstage. They have four bags of ice. They're taking, you know, three aspirin. Sometimes they're sitting with the trainer. How to, seeing that aspect of wrestling, how did you want to portray that in the book without it without painting it negatively because i know that that's that's always a line that i'm sure you you're always concerned about when you're putting certain things in the book well i mean i think that i mean there are negative aspects to the business and i think that that's the way i look at my book is i think that the 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 protagonist of the book is the the craft of wrestling and ultimately that's what it's about and i mean it it is mike hartman's story and it's his story about him becoming a man but you know, like if I had to look at the face, the face for the story would really be the the craft of wrestling and sort of the heel is the is the business of it, and the the meat grinder that it can be, um, on people, and you know I think the the way we're telling this story, I I don't think that you can never, I mean you have to know that that we love wrestling, just by how we tell it and the love we put into it, about it, you know the concept or the craft of it itself, but uh, you know. I don't think anybody in the business would, you know, wants to go through some of the negative stuff that they go through. I, I think everybody recognizes that that's a problem. And if there was a way to change it, I'm sure they would. But, you know, like any other job, I mean, the man tells you what to do. Oh, yeah, that's that's something that uh, I've, I've talked about in a, on, on a lot of live shows where we go into wrestling and, you know, we talk about guys and you know one 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 good example is you know the matt hardy situation not to go totally into it but just that you're as somebody that that's familiar with wrestling you kind of look at it like i can understand why this guy's in the situation he's in but then as a fan you kind of look at it as you know why is this guy destroying himself so looking looking at it like that and then trying to portray that especially in your case in a in a, in a medium like a comic it paints a different picture, especially with the audience that you have, because comics that they appeal to everybody, and it's almost like they're not—not not to say that they're not regulated, but a lot of stuff gets through that you know you kind of raise an eyebrow at. Mm, I don't know. Um, 
think I think from my perspective, I think I mean I think everybody has self-destructive tendencies. I just think wrestlers are focused on because they're in the spotlight. But I mean, look how many celebrities have it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I worked in warehousing for years. I mean, I know I know a bunch of guys that you know they have pain from that. I mean, I think everybody in life has some form of pain, albeit physical or emotional, and how they cope with that is pretty much I think tends to be the story of your life. I think it's easy to sort of put it in a box and say, you know, this is wrestling in, you know, to a point, I'm sure that they have more physical pain than most people. But, uh, I just think that's, that's sort of the, the story of anyone's life. So I, I see it, you know, I, I see it. I understand it. I understand why people would be in that position. I mean, but I think too, you, you do have to take responsibility. I mean, I don't think any, under any circumstances, it's acceptable to, to get into a car, you know, whether or not you have a habit, you know, I agree. I think that's a, I think that's an issue over personal responsibility. I mean, no matter what wrestling did, I mean, wrestling didn't make, you know, make him get into a car under the influence. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe it put him under the influence, but that's his judgment to get into a vehicle. And that's a separate issue. Oh yeah. My, my, my concern. No, my, no, I, and I, and I agree where you're coming from because my concern has always been that people, don't look at it like the way you and I are discussing it, where everybody has demons and everybody has issues and, and the coping mechanisms that they choose to to handle them vary. What ends up happening is they look at it with a broad brush where it becomes, you know, former WWE wrestler, you know, gets in car and crashes into a store and, and you know, God forbid, kills three people. But the, 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 main, the main attention grabber is, you know, WWE wrestler or, you know, former TNA wrestler. Like, like that's where they go into. They don't just look at a guy who, who went through a situation and and did something foolish. They look at at the label that's associated with it. We've always been a society that really loves to tear down its heroes, and I think with you know all the internet coverage, early internet access, and Twitter, and I mean, there's just more accessibility to everybody and cameras, and you know, I mean, there's things that. You know, used to go on and you know in wrestling and anywhere in the seventies and the eighties that you just never heard about. I mean, right. you know, there's obviously stories about Jimmy Snuka in hotel room and mm-hmm. Jake know, the Snake. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine if that happened now? I mean, oh, forget it. It'd be everywhere. I I just think that I don't know. I think it's just and it's easier to throw stones. I think I think we just we like to tear our heroes down. I think a lot of people are very. You know, it's very easy to point the finger and be like, you had, you had it all. But I don't think people realize what people have to go through to get to that level. I mean, just, I mean, everybody that gets into wrestling wants to be where, you know, where Matt Hardy is or where any of those superstars are. And I mean, sometimes it's just a matter of somebody's, you know, somebody's willing to sacrifice more physically to do it. You know, I mean, Matt Hardy took a lot of crazy bumps. That's to get right. Reason, you know, and... I don't know. It's, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of shades of gray. And I think we're, we as a society, we like everything in small digestible bites. Mm-hmm. And so we can pass our judgment and move on without having to get bogged down in moral issues and, and details. Right. <laughs> we're not about details. We're about a B and the end. <laughs> right. You know, and that's, and that's part of the, just the, the storytelling sort of mechanism in our society. You know what I mean? Every, every story has got to have a good guy. Every story has got to have a bad guy. And it's just, it's real easy to, it's real easy to point the finger, but then no one likes it when they're the bad guy. So, Oh, ab- absolutely. But, um, but before we wrap things up, I just, what do you, 
where do you want Headlock to go just as, as an entity? Are you do you aspire to to be picked up by a larger publisher? Do you want to go into maybe movies or something animated or do you want to just embrace the medium that you're using and grow just off of that? I think, uh, I mean, I would definitely be interested in anything. I mean, I feel like first and foremost, it's a story. I'm a storyteller and I'd like to be able to tell my stories to, to, you know, I just want people to read them and I want people to enjoy them and see what I'm trying to say. And if they don't enjoy them, maybe they don't have to, but you know, I mean, I just like for, for people to give it a shot and take a look and see what we're doing. And I think that, you know, people will like them. I mean, if, if that, if those other opportunities come, I mean, ideally, I think, you know, if I, if I could pick, I, I wouldn't mind like a, a TV series or a cartoon series or something like that. I think as a journey, I think it works better than, uh, than a movie, than a movie would for, uh, such a, a large story. But yeah, uh, animated would be awesome for this. And I think to a point, you know, then you don't have people taking bumps, <laughs> you, know, you don't have to train workers or you don't have to use workers who might not be the best actors. You know, I think there's there's definitely things you could do there. You know, I mean, I know, like, obviously, Nicolas Cage was originally slated to play Randy the Ram and the wrestler. Yes. He went to one Ring of Honor show and then quit the next day. So, yeah, no, no. I mean, I think you're you're limited to the types of people that would be willing to do that sort of thing and then be able to portray convincingly. So. Did you ever look into or consider also doing a, a web comic of it? You know, like an offshoot, like something I, I, small. I'm working on a I'm working on a variety of different things. I mean, I'm trying to figure out the best way to get in front of the most people. Um, it's hard because so much on the internet is free now, and no matter what, I mean, it costs money to produce you know a page of comic book art. So, you know, a lot of people expect things for free just because you can get so much for free or people can download things illegally. So I'm trying to find sort of the right way to sort of monetize it and still make it inexpensive for people. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I've definitely, I'm, I'm working on something with some short stories and using some different, uh, some different, you know, I've, I've had wrestlers before, you know, who, who've done art. Obviously I had Jerry Lawler do some art for me and Scott Lost did some art. Um, I've got Ken Anderson who's going to do a cover for us and uh, I'm talking to some other guys about doing some art, but uh, I might do some stories, some headlock stories with wrestlers, uh, you know, uh, contributing on the writing end. Oh, nice. That, that, that would be really impressive to see, to see how they would bring the, those stories to life from their perspective. Right. I'd love to see that. That, that sounds awesome. So yeah, we we've got a lot in the works. It's just uh, trying to figure out a way to make it to make it you know to get the biggest splash and just to get people to notice it. And that's that's really the biggest battle is you know I'm an ind- you know we're independent in both comics and wrestling. So you know it, it's always tough being independent in anything that you do. So and we've got sort of we're independent on both ends, but we're uh, we're working to change that. So. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> uh, I'll be I'll be watching with much interest. Um, where can people find out more about the book and also keep getting get in contact with you if they had any questions or just wanted to to learn a little bit more about your work? Anything related to Headlock is pretty much run by me. Um, we have headlockcomic.com. Our Twitter page is Headlock Comic or at Headlock Comic, and our Facebook page is Facebook backslash Headlock Comic. 
Um, you can contact me on any one of those formats. There's an email form on our website that you can hit me at. Um, people, you know, write to me all the time, ask me questions and stuff. There's also links to buy the books. We just put up our uh, San Diego exclusive book that we uh, put together. It's got our new art team. It's got where the book's headed. Probably two dozen new characters in it um, for people to just to, to look at. It's a real fun book. Yeah, I was looking at it and I wanted to get it, but I didn't see a pr- uh, a price for it in print. But um, I, we'll, we'll discuss that off air. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but we yeah, we have links to to both digital and print. So uh, definitely, uh, you know, that's uh, that's where you can find out what we're doing. Awesome, man. Is there any anybody you want to acknowledge before before we wrap up? Uh, just you know, I appreciate I'm. You know, I work a regular job. I mean, this isn't my only job. This is, you know, it's my dream to, to do this comic book thing, you know. And I uh, I appreciate everybody who supported me. You know, if you've bought a book or if you've told, you know, even if you just told somebody about it. You know, if you told someone else who's a wrestling fan or, you know, if you follow me on Twitter or recommend me to people. Any little bit of support makes all the difference in the world. So I appreciate that to, to anybody that's, you know, helped support us on our journey. Well, Mike, I appreciate you sharing your book with us and your story to get the book out there. Um, we're going to make sure that we do our part to let our listeners know about it. And um, I just appreciate you taking the time and speaking to us. No, I appreciate you having me out here. That's great. Well, Michael Kingston, you've taken us beyond the mic. Thanks for coming on the show, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You've just heard My Take Radio's Beyond the Mic, available exclusively for My Take Radio app owners, and now also available exclusively to Stitcher subscribers. If you head over to stitcher.com slash mytake, enter mytake, all one word, in the promo box, you'll be eligible to win a $100 gift card, courtesy of our friends at Stitcher. You can also listen to My Take Radio live every Thursday at 11 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network, and also, you can follow us on Twitter at MyTakeRadio and on Facebook, facebook.com slash MyTakeRadio.